Uh, when Pastor David called me at um, about 4 o'clock yesterday, um, Bev, can you um, pinch him for me? I was, you know, obviously you say yes, but a little frightening because it usually takes me an entire week to prepare a sermon. And then I learned that the scripture story was John chapter 4, which for the last 15, 16, 17 years of my life is my favorite story of scripture. And anytime there is something new that I can read about John chapter 4, I am delving into it. I am learning about it. I think you could preach all year long from John chapter 4. But I want you to know that this particular sermon I have never preached before. So I didn't pull one out of the archives for this, right? I was just thankful that it was a story that is my testimony that um, I was going to get to open up and share with you today. You heard um, our scripture readers, our storytellers, really tell you the story of the woman at the well. Broken down woman, Samaritan woman, comes to the well, meets Jesus, and has a life-changing encounter with him. And, and um, that part of the story alone is usually where I live. I usually just stay right there in her story. But there's so many more elements. And so today we're going to use her, but we're also going to do the rest of the chapter. So I want to pick up reading from John chapter 4, beginning in verse 25. The last words that we heard Anthony read were Jesus speaking to the woman, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So beginning in verse 25, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to talk him, to find him, talking with the woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Skip down to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. There's a couple of main characters and then a couple of supporting actors in this particular story. The first main character is the woman. She is broken. She is rejected. She has been married five times, and she is on her sixth husband. She is lonely. She's at the well in the middle of the day at the noon hour when it is hot. That is not when women gathered at the well to do their latest he said, she said kind of thing, right? She's there all by herself because she's completely been rejected by her culture and by her people. She has a tough exterior, I think. Every time I read that story, she gets a little tougher. I mean, she gives Jesus quite a bit of pushback, 
right? She doesn't really believe he's the Messiah quite yet. And so she's not afraid to joke, mm, I don't know. I don't really care what you think, right? Let me tell you what I think kind of thing. And she's really just trying to get through daily life. She is overwhelmed by daily chores. I mean, she is just tired of the circle drive at the elementary school, right? She is fed up with making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And she does not ever want to go to the grocery store again. Does anyone relate to that? David would say she doesn't ever want to mow the lawn again in her life. Nor does she want to clean out the garage or put gas in the car. Right? I mean, whatever. Or pay bills. She, and you know that that's, she's just looking for that quick relief because when Jesus says, I got water that will last forever, she's like, hallelujah. I will never have to come back to this well again. Right? Quick fix for that fire that is burning up inside of her. The next character is Jesus. Of course, Jesus is always in our Bible stories, right? But in this Bible story, he is not afraid to cross religious or social barriers to bring that cold drink of water. We don't have time this morning to talk about the way that the Jews and the Samaritans just absolutely hated each other. But they did. They, they both looked, I mean, one party was not more guilty than the other. They looked down upon each other with disdain and hatred. They did not associate. And yet Jesus said, I, the, the scripture says Jesus had to go to Samaria. That's such specific, important language. Because Jews didn't go to Samaria to get to Galilee. They walked all the way around. You guys, it's like that one little group in school that you really don't want to be associated with, but your classroom is right over there. You walk all the way around. That's what the Jews would do. But Jesus had to go to Samaria. He had to cross not only that religious barrier, but he had to cross the cultural barrier of man speaking to woman alone and man speaking to a rejected woman alone. A a used-up, shameful woman alone. He had to cross to bring that cool drink of water. The next group that we meet are the disciples. And in most of this story, they're just taking care of business. They are the ones doing the grocery shopping. They are finding the food. When they, re, when they take center stage, they are concerned with two things. First of all, that Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman. What will people think? Jesus, you can't do this. Do you know what this is going to do to our reputation? They were also really concerned that Jesus eats. They love him. They want to make sure that, um, that he stays healthy. Get some protein in him, right? That's what we say. You've got to eat some peanut butter on that toast, Tigger, because you've got to get some protein in you for the day, right? Because for them, the mission was coming. They wanted to make sure that he was healthy enough for Galilee. 
They were worried about tomorrow's mission, not today's mission. And the last group of people are the townspeople. Their heart is open to the word of Christ because of the woman's testimony. Open, but listen carefully. They believe in Jesus because of the words he speaks. Read verse 41 and 42 with me again. And because of whose words? His words. Many more became believers. Verse 42, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. We have now heard for ourselves. And we know that this man is really the savior of the world. So I wonder, which character do you relate to the most? Let me just help you with one of them. You are not Jesus. Now, we laugh at that, except some of us really do walk around with a bit of a Messiah complex. Maybe pastors do that. So I told the first service, maybe this is just like, you know, personal confession time. Pastor does it all the time, personal therapy. So maybe this is me just taking off that Messiah complex. Except, if my kids don't know Jesus, I must have done something wrong. Or... Her kids don't know Jesus. They must have done something wrong. We share our testimony. But Jesus, only Jesus, gets to close the deal. That's a whole lot of pressure off our back. You might be one of the disciples. You might be a faithful follower. You help with lots of details of ministry. And, you know, as a pastor of the church, we need your help. I, get, I have lots of details that I take care of. But that doesn't give us a pass at sharing our faith. Or maybe... You're too concerned with tomorrow, and you have lost sight of today. Teenagers. Young adults. Maybe you're so concerned with preparing for that dream job, that college, that career. You're so concerned preparing for what is to come that you have lost sight of the fact that there is a mission today. Now let's preach to the rest of us. We get a little caught up in our family life. We get a little caught up in our career. Oh, I'll share when I have a little bit more time. When I'm a little bit more free. When there's not as much stuff on my to-do list. Or we might say, as the disciples, I don't really have the gift of evangelism. I give my time here so that someone else I give my tithe 
and I give way more than 10%. So that other people I'm better at others are better one of the things that was real popular today, I think it's good, but we might say, as disciples, my strengths are somebody else's strengths are. Anybody feel like you need to hide? Hear this. The business of the kingdom never trumps the mission of the gospel. I really think you could tweet that. That's really good, isn't it? you got to hear it again. The business of the kingdom never trumps the mission of the gospel. So you're not Jesus. Maybe you don't think you're one of the disciples. You might be the woman at the well. Beverly, I am a man. I could not be the woman at the well. My, the men in my house went on a spring break trip, a 24-hour spring training trip to Phoenix. They left Friday afternoon. They came back late last night. They watched the Padres. All week long, they were preparing. Our little guy is nine. They were preparing for this big family trip, Right? And um, we, were, we were in Costco, and, and David said, are there any, any, uh, any snacks you can get for us in our trip? I'm like, David, Costco snacks are this big. I mean, you're just going to be gone for 24 hours, right? And, uh, so, but we did. We found, we found a bag of peanuts that was literally this big for like $5, and then um, a box of gummy worms, which they both adore, again, for like $5, um, and they stopped at Cracker Barrel. So they ate peanuts, gummy bears, and Cracker Barrel fried food for 24 hours. I mean, that's a man's trip, right? That's a trip for guys. I was, I was really thankful that, I, that there were dirty clothes in Matthew's backpack. So they changed their clothes. I was pretty thankful for that. But listen, listen, men, I'm just going to pick on you here for just a second. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, was said to Nicodemus, a man. And yet it is a scripture that applies universally to men and women around the world. And so I would say to you today that just, that there are men in our world that are just as beat up as this woman at the well. There are you could be sitting here again today, and it could be job loss, it could be major change of life, it could be some junk that happened to you while you were growing up. We talk about bullying, but it's real. It could have been something that you lived with. You, the woman at the well is not just for women. And you could be sitting here today and think, I need that cool drink of water. But will you listen to me when I say to you that the best part of the woman at the well is not when she believes in Jesus Christ as her Savior. That's huge. That's hallelujah. All the bells and whistles come out and, you know, the confetti comes down. It's, you know, championship game. It's awesome. 
The best part, though, is that she then shared the water. We so often want Jesus to heal our hearts and renew our souls so that we can feel better, so that we won't hurt anymore. And in his grace and in his mercy, that's what he starts with. Amen? He starts with us as individuals. But then he hopes that we will share his story. He told me everything I had ever done. The work of the Savior is complete. When the transformed life of one leads to the transformation of others. You hear that? The work of the Savior is not complete when just you find living water. But when that living water transforms your neighbors or your homes, or should we even say entire communities and cultures? I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I am positive that's what happened in this Samaritan village. So you're not Jesus. You might be a disciple. You might be the woman at the well. You might also be one of the townspeople. Who for a number of years has been believing in Jesus Christ because of the testimony of others. It's really possible that you are sitting in this sanctuary today. And you believe the stories of this word because it's what your mom and dad taught you to believe. Or because a friend introduced you to Jesus. You thought it sounded good and so you're here. Or you got a postcard in the mail this week. Or you had a grandma or a grandpa that took you to church when you were little. It's entirely possible that your faith today is only based on someone else's life-transforming testimony. Would you be the townspeople today? And would you believe the voice of Jesus speaking to you? I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. We're going to close our service in kind of a weird way. In just a bit, I'll invite those serving communion to come forward. Don't come forward quite yet. I want you, as we begin to worship, I, I want you to sit in your seats. I want you to worship. I want you to sing. I want you to pray. And when you are ready... I want you to find your way to communion. To receive that grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. But then, I want you to take a bottle of cold water to 
share with your world. Now I'm going to put some parameters on your sharing. I don't like rules. I'm sorry. I'm going to give you some rules. Nobody's following up on you, so break them if you want. I don't want you to share it with the person on the street that you know is thirsty unless you're willing to park your car, get out, and go offer your testimony to that person. Now listen, I believe in compassionate ministry. I believe that we ought to be meeting the basic needs of humans all over the world, starting in our own back door. But this bottle of water needs to come with words. Sometimes. And be careful with the words. It's not, do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? It's, I know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. It might be a neighbor that you want to share that with. It might be a coworker. You might just take it and put it on your desk and wait until somebody a week later says, hey, why is that water still sitting on your desk? Well, let me tell you what that water means to me. One time, once in my life, my heart, heart was hardened. It was all dried up. Couldn't feel anything at all. And the love of Christ came crashing through that hard, tough experience. I'm a new man. I'm a new woman because of the work Christ did in me. Maybe you want to bring it with you when you come next Saturday morning. Nine o'clock right here on this campus. You might not get to tell anybody this is who Jesus is to me, but you're going to be sharing your faith that day through words. Do we worship, quiet our hearts, we get still before the Lord, we come, we receive his body broken for you, his blood spilled for you. All right, I get it. I believe it. We take a cup of water, we walk on out, share it with our world. Are you ready to do that today? I don't know. That's okay, you got time. We're not Jesus. We might be the disciples. Get a little too caught up in that to-do list. In the business of the kingdom. Might be that woman. Broken down, used up. Hey, this water's for you. You might be one of those that's been sitting on the fence. Part of the townspeople. Don't listen to my words. Listen to the Savior's today. He is calling you. Jesus, we believe that communion is not just a ritual, but it is a spiritual practice that brings new life. As we prepare to come and to receive, 
Speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds. Transform us today. Be with us as we reach in to grab that bottle of water. May these be your moments in your name.